Shot One of The Right Way to Do Wrong, An Exposé of Successful Criminals by Harry Houdini. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Leanne Howlett. The Right Way to Do Wrong. An Exposé of Successful Criminals by Harry Houdini Shot 1. Income of a Criminal People of respectability and inexperience, who have no knowledge of the criminal classes, usually imagine that every criminal is a hardened villain, incapable of even the ordinary feelings of family affection, and that of necessity the professional crook, thief, or burglar is uneducated and ignorant. In fact, nothing could be more remote from the truth. Do you see that well-dressed, respectable-looking man glancing over the editorial page of The Sun? You would be surprised to know that he is a professional burglar, and that he has a loving wife and a family of children who little know the business which takes him away for many days and nights at a time. You meet a grave and benevolent-looking gentleman on a railway train. Perhaps he shares your seat and interests you by his brilliant and intelligent conversation. You little suspect that he is at the head of a gang of the most expert bank burglars in the country. As a matter of fact, some of the brightest brains and keenest minds belong to professional criminals. They live by their wits and must needs keep those wits sharp and active. Not that I would have you think that all professional criminals go about in the guise of gentlemen. There are all grades of culture and lack of culture in the various nefarious callings of crime. The sneak thief and the burglar may and often does look the hard citizen he is, but you will never find him lacking in a certain kind of quick wits and a certain kind of brain power. So highly organized is the machinery of the law and police protection in our modern civilization that one of the first requisites for success as a professional criminal is brains. Does it pay to commit crime? This is a question I have often asked the chiefs of police and great detectives of every country in the world. How great are the money rewards of evil doing? Does a good burglar have an income equal to that of a bank president? Can a pickpocket make more money than the fashionable tailor who makes the pockets? Is a gambler better paid than a governor? Can a shoplifter make more money than the saleswoman? In fact, does it pay to be a criminal, and if so, how great is the reward for evil doing? I am aware that it is the general impression, considered simply as a matter of profits, that the professional criminal is well paid. He gets something for nothing. Therefore you would say at a first glance that he must be rolling in wealth. Many people who get their ideas of criminals from novels and story papers, for instance, imagine a gambler as a man who always has a roll of bills in his pocket big enough to choke a horse, as they say. No doubt, also, the histories of sensational coups, as reported in the daily press, are chiefly responsible for this false impression. But such colossal frauds and robberies are rarely the work of professional criminals. They are usually perpetrated by men whose previous good character has placed them in positions of trust. Men who have led honest lives, when temptation came along and on paper they figured out that they could not lose. Why, they stole and fell into the clutches of the law disgraced, they are ruined for life, often ruining all their family. It is a terrible thing to have the finger of fate point at you with the remark, his father is serving time for doing so-and-so, or her brother is now in his sixteenth year and comes out in five years. 
Such humble criminals as the area sneak thief, the porch and hallway thieves, and the ordinary shoplifter may be dismissed with a few words. Their gains are miserably small, they live in abject poverty, and after detection, for sooner or later they are detected, they end their lives in the workhouse. If I could earn five dollars a week honest, I'd gladly give up dragging, shoplifting, said a thief of this type to a New York detective. But I can't stand regular work, never could. It's so much easier to prig things. No avarice but simple laziness keeps these thieves dishonest. More lucrative are the callings of the counter-thief, the pickpocket, and the buzzer or watch-thief. Of those, the pickpocket wins the largest returns. A purse-hunter who knows his work would think he had wasted his time if he did not make five dollars on an evening stroll. Race meetings and fairs may bring him in one hundred dollars to one hundred fifty dollars a day, but an average day's makings amount to only eight dollars to twelve dollars. The passing of bad money, as everyone knows, who is behind the scenes in criminal life, is a very poorly paid industry, while the punishment wrist is heavy. In England, the snide pitchers, or shovers of the queer, as they were called, used to buy the counterfeit coins at so much a dozen, and working in pairs, pass them out in shops. Highwaymen, robbers, and hold-up men sometimes make big hauls, but their careers are short. Into their brutal hands pass many a diamond pin or ring, many a gold chain, worth twenty dollars or twenty-five dollars, even at melting-pot prices of some dishonest goldsmith. Happily for society, these ruffians are speedily brought to book, and their ill-gotten gains are dearly earned. There is a thief's proverb which runs, A six-months run and the hook, thief, is done. The garrote and hold-up men have far shorter lease of liberty, and frequently fall into the clutches of the law within a day or two after release from prison. Both burglars and confidence men may make big coups occasionally, but their income is precarious. The burglar is at the mercy of the fence, as the receiver of stolen goods is called, and realizes only a small part of the actual value of his pelf. I suppose a burglar would be considered very successful if he made $3,000 a year actual profit. The fence has much larger opportunities, and his veracity is well known. A detective friend was well acquainted with one who made as much as $5,000 a year for several years and finally shot himself to avoid arrest. Another fence actually amassed a fortune, but his wealth did not prevent him from dying miserably in prison. The truth is that a life of dishonesty may pay at first when you are not known to the police, but when an offender once falls into the hands of the ever-watchful police, he begins to be a well-known customer. He now pays dearer and dearer every time he is brought up for trial. His brief spells of liberty are spent in committing some crime that once again brings him back to the prison, so when you figure out the sentences he has to serve, why, his honest gains are contemptible compared to such awful penalties. As this book is not a history of crime or criminals, to those wishing to read positive facts of great criminals, and all of them have either died in the poorhouse, or are yet counting the weary days in prison cells, divorced from wife, from children, and from all ties that human beings hold so dear, I can safely call attention to the book called Our Rival the Rascal, written by my friend, Chief Inspector of Police, William B. Watts of Boston, Massachusetts. This book is the greatest book on the subject that I have ever seen. I happened to have a copy with me in Berlin, when the Royal Police, hearing that I had the book in the country, asked me as a favor to allow them to make extracts and photograph some of the famous criminals in the book. 
This I allowed them to do, and in return they handed me several photos of well-known criminals to send to Chief Inspector William B. Watts. In order to put a finish to this chapter, it can be said that it does not pay to lead a dishonest life, and to those who read this book, although it will inform them the right way to do wrong, all I have to say is one word, and that is, don't. Yes, my poor brother had no education, and it were his ruin. How was that? He forged a name on a check, and the spelling were bad. End of shot one. Recording by Leanne Howlett.